Welcome to the Cosmetic Expert Forum, brought to you by Sight Staff. This is your channel to listen to accomplished doctors, practice owners, managers, and consultants share their successful, innovative marketing ideas and methods that have built their practices and how to implement new strategies to succeed in the future of elective medicine. All of the questions and information provided in the forum is unsolicited and offered by the experts as a professional courtesy. And the opinions expressed by our guests are entirely their own. Here's your host, Jonathan Bryant. Welcome to today's episode of the Cosmetic Expert Forum. I'm Jonathan Bryant, and with me today is Charlie Sheridan with Dr. Grant Stevens' practice in Marina Del Rey. Charlie is the director at Marina Plastic Surgery Associates and has over 30 years of experience working with highly skilled surgeons who perform a wide range of enhancements, including uh, the Beverly Hills Tummy Tuck, Liposuction, Breast Enhancement, and Facial Contouring. Charlie loves to help women achieve a refreshed look through treatments that really work, and she is constantly evaluating new products and technologies so she can bring the quote-unquote fountain of youth and beauty to Marina Plastic Surgery. And at chatwithcharlie.com, which is the focus of our session today, she answers real-life questions about real treatments and offers her guests the benefit of her years of experience and uh, what works and what doesn't. And I love her candid approach from the tips of the trade and our uh, non-surgical treatments to personal insights on the more intensive procedures uh, like abdominoplasty and breast augmentation. She is dedicated to getting uh, the information to her visitors that they need to be able to get the details right. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. I've got to tell you, Charlie, I am completely thrilled with your uh, with your website, chatwithcharlie.com, and I, I just uh, I, I'd like you to be able to tell the listeners how you got to where you are today, both in the practice and this really innovative tool on your website. Well, um, first of all, I never thought I would be in the medical field. Uh, I originally went to school for interior design, and I loved to make things look beautiful. I loved to make a room look beautiful, and just seeing the pleasure on someone's face with that transformation truly brought me pleasure. And I landed a job with a dermatologist and decided I was meant to be in the medical field because simple things, even like having a mole removed, an unsightly mole, would truly change someone's confidence. And I realized and recognized right then and there that this is where I was meant to be. Um, so I threw away the idea of making rooms beautiful and I went into a world of trying to make people look beautiful. Well, it's obviously worked out very well for you. So from my research, when I was looking at chatwithcharlie.com, you average between five and 600 visitors a month. And, you know, feel free to correct me on that. And of course, you know, uh, between the likes on Facebook of Marina uh, Plastic Surgery with over 6,000, and you personally on your Google Plus page have over 11,000 views, which is unbelievable. So tell me, how was Chat With Charlie conceived? What was this brainchild and tell me how this uh, tell, tell me how this was born okay so after getting into dermatology um, I, I'm going to age myself here back in the 80s st things started to change towards cosmetic dermatology and that's where I really recognized that the practice I was with at the time 
didn't really have the foresight that Dr. Stevens did. So um, he and I started the practice together. He was uh, just, he was very young and he was just getting into the industry. He had started his private practice. And what I really admired about him was the vision that he had, because while this is supposed to be obviously a medical practice, it's also a business. And what was especially nice is that he gave me a lot of freedom. What I recognized early on was, and this was really humbling for me, was there was um, a, a great deal of patient interest in kind of behind the scenes thoughts. And what I mean by that is I would watch patients come in and want a procedure and leave Dr. Stevens, but then they'd come to me and say, well, what do you really think? Almost as if I had some insider information. Um, So what happened was, and this was all organically developed, this just came naturally, people stopping me in the hallways, and there was a writer named uh, Suzanne Sergil who had a magazine at the time called Form and Figure. And long story short, I ended up writing a column for her to help people, um, kind of a dear Abby of sorts in the plastic surgery world where they could write into me uh, and I could be this very objective opinion for them um, as if I had some sort of, like I said, insider information. And I realized from that what they were looking for was an objective second layer of reassurance, if you will. And I say this because Dr. Stevens always taught me the thing that makes our industry unique is most people are sick when they go see a doctor. And it's kind of psychosurgery what we do. We take a very healthy person and we make them sick and poor, if you will, for a period of time. And therefore, they have to have complete confidence. It's almost like bungee jumping. You have to be really sure that this is what you want, but there's still a level of fear. Long story short, what I came in and started to see that I was doing for people was reassuring them. And having that second objective opinion meant so much to people. The letters I got, the statements I got, the gifts I got from people when I thought I was just doing, excuse me, doing my job spoke volumes. So I went on to write for Form and Figure in a column called Chat with Charlie, and I always injected humor. And then from there, um, another magazine approached me. Jennifer Barnes was the editor. It was called Cosmetic Surgery Magazine. And I did the same thing for them. The problem was I got overwhelmed with emails and letters, (laughs) kind of like Dear Abby. And so the brainchild, if you will, of the actual website was attributed to someone named um, Ryan Miller, who is a webmaster for Aetna Interactive. And he said, let's just make a website out of this. And lo and behold, that's how it evolved. Um, And I couldn't be more pleased because my true gain in all of this is putting a smile on someone's face. Well, you know, reading the comments and and reading the way you write, Charlie, I'm I'm sure you accomplish that on a regular basis. Uh, What has been the reaction from visitors and when they are coming to the website, are, are, are they, are you seeing this be more engaged as, as the years go on? Uh, do, or did you even have any expectations of, of how many people would go there and interact with you once they checked out the site? 
That's a great question. Um, I can honestly say I had zero expectations. And what evolved was this website where people were just flooding me with questions from all over the world about various procedures. And I realized it was kind of filling a void, a middle step, if you will, of the patient who's desiring something to the doctor who does it and performs it. And this was almost like a second consult, if you will. Um, I did not expect for it to take off so well. I couldn't be more thrilled. I believe I have close to 30,000 readers as of today. And I was very, very touched uh, when online surgical technician courses approached me in 2012 and made my site um, website of the year for their students and their readers, mostly aspiring surgical technicians who found my articles useful and inspiring as they were choosing their career paths. Wow. Congratulations, Charlie. That's quite a testament. And, uh, you know, from, from being a reader in one of those 30,000 uh, people that read you regularly, I can certainly see why. Now, you might say uh, that you're in the business of reassurance and putting a smile on people's face, but you're a businesswoman as well. And this site has uh, has contributed to your business, hasn't it? Can you talk about how many of these visitors have progressed to a consult or a procedure as a result of your involvement? I would say a great deal. Um, the thing that is very intriguing to me is I watch people who are anticipating a procedure, which is costly, and what they're looking to do is along the way keep making sure that they're making the right choice. So they'll put their little toe in, then they'll put their foot in, and I'm kind of that foot, and then they'll come in for a consultation. Um, for me, all my, my objective is throughout this process is to sincerely help people and to set realistic expectations. I think that's the thing that I found the most to be true is if you have a patient who goes into this with a realistic expectation, they're going to come out of it a much happier, uh, satisfied patient. Agreed, definitely. What about the actual writing itself, Charlie? Now, you've obviously you know, published your own work in these magazines, but are you also personally contributing to all the posts or, you know, or writing them from start to finish, uh, considering that you know, a lot of people are wanting to hear from you personally? I think that's probably the secret to this entire thing is that what they get from me is that personal relationship. And in this world of social media and things going quicker and faster and disposable, you know, we used to do handwritten letters and then that was shortened to emails and emails were shortened to uh, texting and now we have Snapchat. What I never lost was the patient relationship. Um, having said that, there was a time where I was overwhelmed with so many letters, I did have help from Aetna. However, today I insist that I write everything. So yes, I do all the writing. That was years ago. And I feel like I have not lost myself along the way. And I feel that I send an important message. And even last month's post, which 
was actually a very personal post and speaking to the longevity of long-term employees, that was something I felt was rarely, if ever, written about, but extremely important because it speaks to, well, it, it speaks volumes for the doctor if the staff stays, but it also speaks to the continuity of care that the patient receives with a very familiar face and a familiar staff. And I didn't want to lose sight of the fact that we have great surgeons out there, but the ancillary staff, especially the nurses, are critical. And so I choose topics that I feel are relevant and important to get across to the patient base. And yes, I do all the writing now. Congratulations. And I truly uh, admire that uh, personal touch and the fact that we're, you know, we're all busy people and you're busier than most, Charlie, but your dedication to making sure that that personal relationship stays with you is, is, is quite a testament. So congratulations. Now, you had mentioned that you're choosing topics, you know, that are of, of great importance and that's for, you know, both patient and doctors and practices uh, alike. Does that mean that you're not doing, um, you know, selecting based on keyword, you know, things that will get picked up in, uh, in Google, because, you know, in all honesty, when I search for innovative topics to be able to record these podcasts, that's in fact how I found you as I was Googling keywords and, and things that are, you know, particular procedures, uh, big hot item topics. And, uh, and that's how I found you. So they're definitely playing in there, but I'm guessing that that's not your directive or that's not how you're choosing, you know, the articles or the topics that you're writing on. Um, I would say both can be true. I am selecting topics that at the time could be very relevant to the industry. Um, A lot of our, I would say, popular procedures are often guided by what celebrities are doing. Um, And I always go back, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? And what I mean by that is currently we've got everybody wanting fuller lips like Angelina Jolie. However, there was a time that thinner lips, uh, like with Cheryl Teagues, was more popular. And so I, I want to be careful not to get locked in into a trend. And more importantly, I only write about things I believe in. So having said that, like right now, Brazilian butt lifts are very, very popular and the no-drain tummy tuck. So I can't lose sight of the business sense because I also see that it's helping people who may have considered, for example, a tummy tuck, but now with the no-drain tummy tuck, it's a very, very important topic to discuss because it's now a safer, better, kind of quicker recovery way of having the procedure. So I would choose that topic, but it's mostly directed by what I feel my patient base is asking the most about at the time. Um, And also, a lot of the times the reps will come in and pitch me a new procedure, a new product, a new trend, Um, let's say that the doctors are even contemplating, and whichever one I feel my finger is on the pulse of most, meaning that I am representing the patient base, that's the one I usually choose to talk about. I totally agree, Charlie, and I can, you know, for those of you, uh, those of you listening who wish to look at a particular post on February 3rd that Charlie had written about what she calls the SMR uh, T effect or you know, the impact of. <laughs> Yeah, the um, impact of social media and reality TV. I thought this was super powerful, Charlie, and I like to read people that that offer their own perspective and are critical when it applies. And I thought you were in this particular article when you were saying these are 
people and I'm guessing, you know, doctors that are trying to replicate the unattainable uh, of, of certain features. And and you had said that this is not so smart after all. I really appreciate that perspective because, A, I agree with it. And B, that's truly you. Uh, can you give me another example of, you know, where your own influence or personal perspective, you know, has really carried through in your writing? Okay, if I may just talk about that article I wrote, The Smart Effect, um, and I think I ended it with, that's not so smart after all. (laughs) It's because sometimes, and this is the sad part of what I see, we will see uh, very young people who feel that they should look like someone on the cover of a magazine, men and women. Um, And I can honestly tell you it breaks my heart when I look at that person and they're already so beautiful. So this is a way for me to keep all of this that we do in this industry that is somewhat controversial. It allows me to keep it at check and say, you know, there are times when someone already looks great and they need nothing. What I'm really referring to is patient selection. It is very important that the doctor recognizes that the patient is healthy, they're emotionally stable, that they don't think the surgery is going to get them a new husband or, you know, something unrealistic. And I respect fully the doctor that chooses to say no to some patients, especially when you see very young people come in who already look amazing. Um, Having said that, to answer your question, another thing that um, motivates me is when I have a procedure myself. And there was um, a topic a couple months ago about Venus uh, Viva. And I was truly bothered by um, the lines that were coming on my face. And the rep came in and we talked and I tried it and I was just so amazed. So that was a personal experience, firsthand story. And as a result, we just had a flood of people coming in and wanting Venus Viva. So I'm also kind of like the canary going into the, um, what is it, the minefield and making sure I come out and that I truly put my stamp of approval on something because I will not endorse something or write about it if I don't believe in it. Very appreciated. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that in order for you to be the most credible you can be, it's to uh, is to cite your own experiences. I think that draws a tie to your visitor. And, uh, and and it just makes you more believable because you've you've been the one that's experienced the procedure firsthand. So I agree. I think it makes you all the more uh, believable in, in the way that you write. So switching gears just to sidestep because I want to make sure that the men get their attention and the, that are listening to this podcast as well. I love the practice idea of Marina uh, Man, Manland, and I'd like you to be able to kind of exp- uh, you know for. What we found is that over the last couple of years, uh, the shift is going uh, a little bit more growing towards, I mean, generally speaking, 94 to 95% of the client base and the people that are marketed to at a practice are female, but that's, that's starting to catch up and the men actually have more procedures that are available to them. So can you paint the mental picture of what Marina Manland looks like and, and what, uh, what you know, general procedures you offer them? Absolutely. So, again, this was something that also evolved organically. Uh, Dr. Stevens, who is absolutely brilliant, uh, was the pioneer of this concept. And it started because he was watching 
husbands and boyfriends and supporters bring in the patient for their post-op visits, and they started to ask questions, but they were always awkward walking around the office, which (laughs) was clearly a woman's world, and he wanted to create a very dedicated environment just for the men. And we cannot lose sight that while this was dominated by females all these years, men are absolutely catching up in terms of being the client base as well. So he decided to have a section of the office. We actually expanded. It was our fifth expansion. And he created an entire suite just for men called Marina Manland with the tagline where a man can feel good about looking great. And that is because they wanted, Dr. Stevens and Dr. Macias and myself, wanted our patients to walk in there and feel comfortable and not as though they were in a kind of a frilly buff and puff female environment. So it is embodied with like um, anaconda snake wallpaper and (laughs) rich leather and copper ceilings. And it it kind of looks like a men's smoking room, if you will, a cigar room. Mm -hmm. And um, we have rooms in there dedicated for just male treatments such as, uh, well, this is not exclusively for male, but hair replacement and things of that nature. And then there's just a fun little spin on it where he named it things like um, the bear's lair and the dog house. And the dog house is a room where men go in and they get their facials or non-ablative treatments because um, these, these people that were coming with their partners, so to speak, would walk out with a brochure and say, do you do men too? Now, that was years ago. These days, I would say almost half our practice is dedicated for the male client as well. And so uh, this clearly was something that Dr. Stevens recognized needed to happen. And now that they're even more comfortable coming in and they feel there's a section just for them, um, I think he absolutely... uh, was able to create something that was um, going to happen anyway. And they also feel more comfortable coming in and having these procedures done, knowing that, wow, I'm not the only man that comes into this place and has treatments very similar to a man going to a nail salon. Um, And so as they're walking through the hallways and they're going through their own little section, they're feeling more confident about it and most importantly, more comfortable. And they're spending a lot of money. And so we want them to feel very comfortable because Above all, we recognize and we believe that we want patients for life, whether male or female or adolescents. And um, so we just implemented that human aspect of compassion and listen to them. And as long as you listen to your clients, you're going to succeed. Well, Charlie, you're a pioneer and, uh, and you totally emulate the whole reason why we do this podcast. And so I'm going to end with this final question that I ask doctors, practice managers, and vendors alike. In your opinion, what is the future of the industry? And you can even put uh, uh, Marina Plastic Surgery you know, at the forefront in answering the question, but how can successful practices that are successful right now remain competitive as this industry becomes more and more digitally based? And uh, you know, what kind of plans do you have for the future or, you know, what can you do to be able to motivate and uh, share some wisdom with these practices that are, that are doing well, uh, but they need to be able to infuse a little bit about what we talked about today to be competitive in the future. 
That is a terrific question. And the quick answer for me is to be open-minded. A lot of doctors, they go to medical school, they have no business training. It is not a four-letter word to make money. (laughs) Um, This is a business and never lose sight of the compassion that you're always supposed to generate for any of your clients, but also um, realize that you're here to make money and it's okay to do that. And what I mean by that is you have to follow trends, but you also have to listen to the patients. And the patients will tell you what they're looking for. And if you can get them, we always say today's breast augmentation is tomorrow's facelift patient. And what I mean by that is if you're really listening to them, if you're really caring, like Dr. Stevens building Manland because men felt awkward walking into a woman's world, for example. So he did an action based on that and created an environment. Um, He's going to have these patients for life. So you listen to the patient and realize never lose that human aspect, especially as we're getting more digital. This is a relationship-based sale and people will choose to go wherever they feel the most comfortable, whether it's a restaurant or a doctor. And so if you have staff that is greeting them, sincerely cares, coupled with fantastic results, you're going to succeed. Um, You know, there are trends in our industry, just as I said years ago, it was a woman's world. It is no longer. Well, the, the second biggest trend is it used to be a surgery-based world or a surgery-based industry. And now half of our income comes from non-surgical treatments like cool sculpting and fillers and so on and so forth. But those people will eventually need more. And so they will stick with you. And so while you can be current on all sorts of things in, quote, the digital age, as you say, never lose that human aspect. And that's just listening to what they need. Charlie, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much. You've been an inspiration and I can't wait for feedback of this podcast from our listeners. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Cosmetic Expert Forum, brought to you by Site Staff. For more information and to sign up to listen to future episodes, visit us at sitestaff.com.